We want to thank our sponsor, BenderLift. BenderLift is a patient lift device that buckles handles around the patient's torso so firefighters can safely lift patients of any size with ease. The most injury-prone non-fire ground activity a firefighter does is lift a patient. If you're lifting heavy patients, and let's be honest, all of us are, then you're going to want to check out the bender lift so you can avoid getting injured from lifting a patient. Vince, have you ever lifted up a heavy patient or any patient at all? Um, I've blown my back out so many times lifting heavy patients. I can't count the number of times. So something like bender lift is a pretty awesome product, especially if it's going to save me from uh, having to lay up from the job or go to medical or just work the rest of my day in pain. Absolutely, and they'll, they'll let anyone try it out for free. Doesn't matter what your role is within the department, just sign up for a free field trial on their website and they'll send you a set of bender lifts to try out for a month or so, absolutely free. We use them in our department and I recommend you give them a try. Just Google bender lift to watch some videos and sign up for a free trial. Bender lift, they, the new slogan should be bender lift, save your back, <laughs> save your back. Four, truck two, truck ten. England eighty two, battalion two. Fire ten twenty north main. Help is on the way. All right, welcome back to Chicago's bravest stories. Today, I I'm personally honored to have Ryan Brady. Um, Peoria Firefighters Local 50. He is the president of that local. Um, also, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, 11-year vet of of the um, of the Firemen's Association there. Your position is driver, engineer, paramedic. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct, Gordon. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, thanks for joining us, buddy. No, appreciate um, the opportunity. How, uh, how are you doing today? Good, man. Um, you know, despite everything that's going on, you, you still put your head up and, and, and one foot forward every day because you never know what's around the corner. Yeah. I mean, looking, looking at some of the, some of the struggles you guys are going through right now. I mean, it's, uh, I guess struggle is probably the, you know, one of the, one of the least, uh, one of the least likely words I could use for what you guys are going through. Um, care to, uh, care to elaborate on, on, uh, your guys' situation over there? Yeah. Um, for, all intents and purposes, it feels like it's the uh, worst gauntlet of hell from Groundhog Day you consistently <laughs> face. You know, the, the threat of machine closures, we call them machines or rig closures, um, number one, and then constantly having to look people in the face that you sit at the kitchen table with every third day and, and break bread with. And, you know, they're, they're not only do they put their lives on the line for the, the betterment of the community, the citizens of Peoria, but um, they become, you know, family. It's, it's, your, it's your first family for some, second family for others. But these people are near and dear. They constantly have faced turmoil. Um, we've had a group of candidates that came on that have faced the threat of layoffs since basically they walked through the door after six months. So we've been fighting like hell trying to keep as many people butts in the seats, trying to do our job to the best of our ability. And it's uh, at, at times it, it definitely wears on you. It's, it's very frustrating. Um, the morale around the firehouse sucks when you're constantly walking around with a bullseye on your back. Whether it's you know the job you do, you either really you really do the job either too well, um, and they think that they can come at you because 
what's another minute of response times or, you know, we've been fighting the battle on the retirement security side. So it's kind of been like a two for one and, and we're swinging left and right and we're dodging and, and, and doing the best we can with, uh, you know, when I came on 11 years ago or starting my 11th year, we had 203 uh, members in the bargaining unit and now we're down to 167. God, I saw that. I saw that. And, uh, yeah. And like you were saying, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these guys, guys and girls, like you, you talk about how, um, how they're working for the betterment of our community, but you know, when they're also taking care of, you know, we take care of each other, you know, and, and to look those sure. people in the face that have, you know, um, this guy, this guy, was at my daughter's baptism and, you know, was, was just a, a statue in, in my firehouse of, of honorability. And then, um, you know, this other guy helped me out with, you know, fix my car when I broke down the road, like these, and this guy was the guy who pulled me out of a, pulled me out of a burning building one time because I, I had a problem. Like these, these are guys, uh, guys and girls that, you know, again, they're, they're helping out, they're helping us out and they're helping out the community. And, and like you said, to look them in their face and, and just tell them like, we've, here we go again, this is coming up again. Yeah. I mean, this is like the fourth cycle of some type of reduction to the Peoria fire department and our, our membership is local 50, whether it was, you know, giving up positions, concessions to try to avoid any type of reduction, fire suppression side, you're 24 seven. Um, giving up some front office positions in the fire bureau to uh, actually having two of our heavy rescue squads, the only two we have in the city, shut shuttered, and you, you face 22 permanent layoffs or jobs that you're never going to get back. Historically, when we've looked at what we've lost across the years, the Peoria Fire Department, it's, just, it's, a, it's absolutely disheartening you know, to, to sit back and look at what's been done. And, and we fight the fight, and at the end of the day, you, you know, you still at times chalk up the lost there in, in in the win-loss column but you know these people have been 110 percent professional firefighters and giving it their best you know when the, when the phone rings for pounding the streets to put up literature or knock on doors these people uh, the men and women of the Peoria fire department my brothers and sisters have been there through the thick and thin and it, it's unfortunate that you have city council people, a mayor, a city manager at times that devalue the work you do as a professional fireman. And, it, and it's, you know, it's sickening. It, it really is because not only have these people fought the call volume that continues to increase in longer response times and you see the things that nobody wants to see, then you throw the COVID-19 pandemic at it and, and they don't, they don't bat an eye. You know, they, they put their boots on day in and day out and, and go help as soon as the alarm drops. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to uh, a, Earlier today, we I sat down with uh, Chuck Sullivan, like I was telling you, and um, you know, again, when it comes to litigation, when it comes to um, allocating money to you know to programs that could help us, you know, either during during this COVID nineteen crisis or uh, post incidents like uh, guys getting cancer or um, you know guys uh, fighting bad injuries, you know, it's it's funny, and and I'm. I'm not young, um, but I'm a relatively young guy. Like I was, I was in high school when 9/11 happened, and during that time, I mean, that's I, I might have been one of those one of those kids that kind of got the hero worship of um, of firemen and police officers and paramedics. And at that 
at that time during 2001, you, you couldn't say that a firefighter wasn't working as hard as he could every day. And now that it's coming to a point where we're seeing, you know, we're, we're seeing these, these committee meetings in New York and in Springfield and it's coming up, it's coming up where people have to foot the bill or we have to actually set forth resources to take care of these guys. Now it's like, well, 9-11 was about 20 years ago. So like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not really a factor anymore. And it, at that point, it's like you said, it's gotta be disheartening to just see us represented as a number rather than a, you know, uh, that's, that's my buddy, Bob, who, who ended up dying of cancer last year. And now his family, you know, is, is struggling really hard or whatnot. So do you mind if I bring you back? When, when and how did this all kind of start off for you guys? You know, from our perspective, after the Great Recession, Peoria did great things to try to get their head above water. And um, through bad public-private you know, investment dollars and decisions that were made, we never really got out of the 29-2010 Great Recession. And then COVID hit. Um, and for lack of just, you know, a better word, our, our city hasn't done or hasn't had a great track record when it comes to police and firefighter pensions. You know, they, they have the opportunity to pick the lowest actuary and they take full advantage of it. They tell you that. And, you know, that's one of the issues that I think every municipality faces. Is, you know, everybody knew what, what 80% or 90% looked like at 2040. And we always were putting the IOUs in there because we wanted to go, you know, redo our downtown or, or get fancy street lighting. And at the end of the day, now you've got men and women, police officers, firefighters that for all intents and purposes are, are public enemy number one because of their retirement security. Right. Right. And, and like you said, these are all, um, when, when they're picking the lowest actuary. So when they're picking the lowest amount of money that they can, that they are required to pay into that fund, I'm, I, I'm, I'm no, I'm no fancy mathematician, but the less money you're putting into these funds, the less you've got, you know, the less money you've got as an opportunity to grow, which could really help out down the line when it comes to a guy that, you know, again, 2009, he was, he only had 15 years on the job or he only had, um, however many years on the job prior to retirement. And now at this point, his retirement would have been, you know, bought and paid for had there been just a couple extra bucks thrown in at that point, you know, rather than get the new, you know, not to, not to, you know, shit on, on any of the other departments, but because, you know, maybe public works needed a new F three fifty this year or, or whatever, you know, right. whatnot, a new police cruiser or, or, you know, someone needed a new staff car or wherever, you know, these are just a couple extra bucks that, that really would have helped out down the line. Sure. A hundred percent. And we've, you know, we've always taken the approach, you know, whether it's our brothers and sisters from public works or street guys that are laborers or teamsters or the coppers that are PBPA, you know, we don't, we don't try to pit us against them because we all serve an important role in the wheel or a cog in the wheel. But you sit back and look, you're, you look at some of the investments that, that have been made by, you know, cities across the state, not just necessarily, you know, focusing on Peoria. And, and you sit back and you go, these are, these are real dollars. These are taxpayer dollars that go to fund public safety, period. And, and it's just, you know, it's a shit storm. It's a shit sandwich that you got you got to sit back and eat and you go, 
because of priorities, you know, when a council says, oh, we're fiscally conservative, we want smaller government, that goes down to reducing the size of public safety, period. It's not we're going to give up our seat at the table or we're going to do something else. They're going to go straight for the throat and cut public safety. In it, and it's, it's disheartening. It's almost sickening to see, you know, what, what's happening, at least in my city. And, you know, we're, we're probably one of a few across the state. So at the end of the day, you know, it just it's unfortunate that people, decision makers around the horseshoe, devalue the work we do as professional firefighters. Right. No, absolutely. I know going back to what you were saying with, um, with, you know, with our members working harder than they ever have before, like, uh, we've, we've got kind of a weird, you know, weird position in public safety and, uh, and as a public, um, branch of the government that, you know, we may not be seen as often as a lot of people are. And like you said, when it's, when it's brought to the table, like it's very easy to make the argument to lay off the firemen that you paint the picture of is sleeping all day long or, you know, isn't, isn't doing, you know, isn't really working as hard for that amount of money as you would want him to from the public perspective. But, you know, again, there's, there's things, I mean, and we've talked about before, there's, we're, we're the fire department for lack of a better word, but there's, I mean, we're the all hazard department. Yeah. It's not like when, you know, at least over by me, and I'm sure it's very similar by you, you know, people, cops will call us when they can't figure out what to do with this situation. Sure. We get calls for people that, you know, we get calls for a smoke detector that's going off and we find out that there's an issue with the 150 year old boiler that's in the basement. And we, you know, we're, we're not, we're not the guys that are going to show up and be like, Oh, well, Better call a plumber. Like, good luck. Let us know. Yeah. Like, we we are able to manage these situations. We we shut down these systems. We keep things. Um, I, not to not to take anything away from you, but the other day I had a I had a situation where uh, we had a smoke detector going off from uh, from a bad battery in a in an ejector pump system. And we showed up and we managed the situation. And, and again, it, it, it presented itself as a, you know, a CO issue. And after we were done, we ended up uh, disconnecting the battery, you know, advising the, um, and again, all at three in the morning as normal. Right. Um, and and imagine the situation uh, with, uh, with getting, you know, f- ventilating the whole room or ventilating the whole house. And then, um, I, I remember we plugged back in, we plugged back in the, um, ejector pump system and the homeowner, the homeowner's like, well, why'd you do that? And I'm like, well, you know, right now this being unplugged means that if you have a flood that, that your house is going to flood, but we're going to plug this back in. And that way, you know, as long as you have power, you'll still be able to manage this flood situation. He's like, Oh, I, I didn't know you guys do that. And, and we're like, you know what? That's uh, our job. Isn't to leave you worse than you were before. Right. You know, our job isn't to, you know, we, we don't get to this point and not if, if we've got a guy that's, if we've got a guy that's a plumber that's working that day and, and there's a bad situation that we encounter with, um, with streets flooding or whatever, or not with streets flooding, with uh, with a basement flooding or with a burst of pipe underneath the kitchen sink. Like, we're not, you know, 
we're not just going to shut off the water and be like, all right, figure it out in the morning, man. Like we're, we're going to try and help you as much as we can given our, our constraints. Yeah. I mean, and that's I, like you said, I don't think a lot of people think about that. You know, we're the all hands on deck, all hazards. When the dispatcher or telecommunicator doesn't know who to send, she sends the fire department and we don't have the option. It's not, it's not the way we're programmed to just show up and, and necessarily just say, well, there's nothing we can do. We're, we're problem solvers, period. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, and it's incredible what, what you guys have done given, you know, given the, this sandwich, this shit sandwich you got tossed. So once, once things were kind of kicking off in, in 09 and 2010, like things were kind of, kind of not looking great after, uh, like, did, were there any hints that you guys might be having issues or what happened? Yeah. I mean, in, in 2009 and 2010, um, Actually, I before I started with Peoria Fire Department, I was actually a copper for Peoria Police. And what started oh, me God off, bless you. what started me off in, on the union side was I was two years fresh out of college, had a mortgage, didn't have a family yet, but I got laid off from a job that pretty much, you know, for all intents and purposes, was my my breadwinner being a copper for two years, and I get laid off um, when I was, you know, I've always had a job since I was probably in seventh or eighth grade working, so. The, the right. mental strain or the toll that that took of being laid off was just a gut punch. So, you know, four months after being laid off, I took both tests after I graduated from Illinois State University and uh, got got a phone call from the city to, to become a fireman. And that was my dream job. So I jumped at it. And then, you know, 12, 18 months in through the door, get off probation. And I started in on the union side of things. I started off as our uh, political action uh, basically director, uh, treasurer of our PAC fund. And I did that uh, wow. for three or four years. And then I got started on the union side of things um, and became my shift steward and then vice president and then up to president. So um, I've seen everything, uh, you know, from from start to finish, really. And at the end of the day, you know, that, that PAC being in charge of your political action dollars, that, that's where the rubber meets the road for our job. I know a lot of people, oh, yeah. people don't like it. Um, Politics are messy. Illinois has got a terrible history of, of bad politics. But, you know, something I took away early on from one of the AISF uh, legislative conventions that I went to was when somebody from a different state stood up to, to address our brothers and sisters across the United States and Canada and basically said, you know, you're either having a seat at the table or you're on the lunch menu. So it's better to have a seat at the table and get things done appropriately to protect That's our brothers and sisters. Um, and, and we've always lived by that motto. I mean, I wish we could, you know, beat our fists on the table and flip tables over, but when you don't have the votes, you don't have the votes. So you got to do what's best for your members. And that's kind of what got us to, you know, we filed an unfair labor practice against the city when they shut down the rescue squads, but we were in a position, you know, pre COVID to do some really good things and, and try to get those positions back and put those, uh, rescue squad companies back in service. But, you know, COVID pretty much wiped that out completely. And, and that was the, that was, I don't want to say, uh, you know, a gut punch to us, but, you know, honestly. That least, kind of, that kind of gave them a good catalyst sure. to get the party going. But at least we had that, that poker chip to sit there and, and try to fix um, a problem and, and keep one of our engines in service. Um, so our working conditions, although they eliminated one engine company, one beats two every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So we, we at least had that poker chip to negate some of the reductions being made for the betterment of our members, number one, and um, 
to still fight the fight as we continue. Um, you know, obviously we have another lawsuit pending against the city of Peoria for the PSCBA. So, you know, we're torn in litigation. We had two things in front of the appellate court. Now we've got one thing in front of the appellate court and, and we're going to fight. That's all we know how to do. And we've been pretty successful on the legal side of things. So at the end of the day, you know, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to do our job. We're going to do it to the right. best of our ability. And we're still going to keep swinging against people that don't like professional firefighters, period. And, and, and you're fighting for all of us. So thank you for what you guys are doing. What, um, what has happened during these, uh, I guess I'll call them attacks during these attacks on you guys, what has happened? Um, how have they, how, I guess, how have you guys implemented, um, dealing with these loss of positions? Uh, one of our biggest things that we, that we've had to look at time and time again is changing our response cards. You know, whether it be sending a, a full, full alarm response with four engines, a truck company and a battalion chief, or, you know, just on a regular automatic fire alarm, we just now send an engine and a truck. And, you know, what sucks for us is, is we know NFPA standards. We know why they're in place, but in Peoria, we run three man companies. So a captain, an engineer, a firefighter, our back end guy. Those are, those are our engines. Those are our trucks and those are our rescue squads. So, you know, we do more with less and, and constantly take the beating for it. Um, partially because we're really good and our response times are really good, but it paints us into a bad corner when elected officials want to say, well, it's just another minute. Well, that extra 60 seconds or minute and a half for your next engine company coming in may be life or death for us and the citizens of Peoria. And we fight like hell to keep those response times where they are, even though they get taken for granted and used against us day in and day out. Right. But, but you guys are making three guys on engine work, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, we have to, cause, cause what can we do? Right. Give up? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we don't have the option. It, it's not in our, it's not in our playbook. It's not in our vocabulary. And at the end of the day, you put your best foot forward and, and you do the job. You took notes to serve and protect citizens, visitors, families, mothers, and fathers. That's why, that's why a lot of us yeah. love this job. That's why we do the job we do. Absolutely. I'm sure that's what, what drove most guys there, including yourself. Oh, 100%. What, um, what have you guys, uh, have you, are these positions, um, have members actually been laid off? Were a lot of these through attrition? How, uh, you care to talk about any of that? Or? Yeah, no, uh, we, we actually haven't seen any layoffs since the 1950s, and we've kept it that way. Everything else has been through attrition. Um, okay. So, I mean, the, the Which, again, is, is equally as dangerous. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, when you, when you keep, you know, and I've coined this with our local media, we play a bad game of Russian roulette. And instead of taking bullets out of the gun, we're putting bullets in the gun, squeezing the, you know, hammer back. And it's only going to be a matter of time. And, and you hope and pray to God every night you go to bed or you go to work that today's not that day. Right. I mean, again, there's, there's reasons. I mean, it, NFPA, NFPA came up with these standards based on based on research and, and statistics and they they're not just numbers that they're just drawn out of the, out of the air like it's Correct. these are actual statistics and and to make you know to deviate from that is you know yeah there's there are a lot of departments that are operating with with three man engines or or you know could be even less but you know what are you do you put like your like you said you're playing russian roulette you're you're playing with you know, you're, you're going out every day, hoping, hoping that no one dies. And, and by 
the layoff through attrition is a classic move of keeping, you know, keeping the emotion out of laying people off by not having a face to the person, you know, but you're still, you know, again, you, you're still putting those guys in a, in a scary position. You're still putting, putting members in a position where they are not as they're, they're not going to have the same opportunity to help someone out than they would had there been those more, you know, more people there. So as COVID hits, I mean, you guys are, that's when, that's when things are really starting to, starting to heat up for you guys, huh? Yeah. Going into, you know, fiscal year 20, we had a balanced budget. We lost two rescue squads, but you know, the economy was turning around. There was a lot of economic development, you know, and then COVID happened and for all intents and purposes, now we went from, a balanced budget with 22 reductions to facing an additional 33 reductions, bringing the total reductions uh, at one point to, you know, 55 less firefighters in the city of Peoria. Um, and that was, that was hard for me because I had to call 36 brothers and sisters that are friends. Like you said earlier, you know, these guys helped you put a roof on these guys, you know, were there for your kid's birthday. Um, and, and some of these people had two or three years on, and it was just a, gut-wrenching thing for me to do especially after being laid off from the Peoria Police Department um because I because I lived that I lived the uncertainty of of knowing like hey I've got crap coming in for income on unemployment and I've got a mortgage I've got a college debt I've got utility bills and you you sit back and go this in no way shape or form is fair but you know we we deal in reality um it it is what it is and that sucks but you know to look these people in the eye COVID Literally, in the first fiscal year, the projections were a $54 million loss of revenue. And you'll never be able to, I don't think, capture those true numbers until the following year when you look and go, yeah, it wasn't $54 million. It was probably, you know, $16 million. And could they have done something differently? Right. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I've said this to the members of the Horseshoe. I've said this to our members. And politics is a thing. You'll never not take advantage of a crisis. And, and that's kind of what we feel is happening in Peoria, especially when it comes to the fire department and firefighters, local 50. They, they are just gunning to reduce the size of the fire department because of retirement security. And, and they're so flawed on, on so many different levels, really, when it comes to the unfunded liability and, and not having people paying in and replacing those that are attritioned off. And then they get a pass and, right. and tell people, well, we didn't lay anybody off but your services reduced right. and until it happens until the wheel falls off the wagon, they get a pass and it's harder than hell to hold them accountable. Right. And, and by doing that, by making that, by making that move, by making that decision to, you know, to lay off these, you know, this is only helping an agenda down the line that says, look at how much worse things are now. You know, whereas, again, had these people been here, had these members been here to help assist paying, because, you know, and I'm not sure how many people, we've got a lot of different people that listen to this thing. I know a lot of them are, um, a lot of them are, are people, you know, just off the street, just civilians that, that don't know um, all that much about what we do. But, like, I mean, I think a lot of people need to understand that, like, you know, when it comes to pensions, when it comes to our pensions that we're dealing with in the fire service, first off, 
we pay into them. You know, they're definitely not something where like we just sign up day one and they're like, welcome to you getting a pension for the rest of your life. You know, you're Absolutely. welcome. And like that, you know, these first off the, these pension, first off our pension is built into our salary. It's built into our job offer, you know, and I, I'm not trying to go after any politician in general, but you know, there's, there's politicians that will serve one day in Congress or one day in an appointed position, an appointed position that there was, there was no testing process like me and you went through and will have free health care for the rest of their life and their family, you know, for, for just showing up that day, they'll have a pension based on no payment that they had to make at all. And these are the same people who are potentially looking at us like, you know, like we're the hogs, like we're the pigs that are, that are trying to grab everything. I, I don't remember, I, I wish I could speak, you know, truthfully about the, t- about the statistic, but I know it was relatively recently where our pensions uh, on average were only collected for about five years before we died. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like we were collecting a pension on, you know, for showing up for work one day and then we ended up, uh, you know, living, living 150 more years on a pension payment. Like generally because of the things that we encounter, because of the, the, carcin- the carcinogens, because of the, um, you know, the chemicals that we might have encountered on, on hazmat incidents or, or whatnot, like the, you know, God knows whatever old school EMS equipment that we were first working with, the, the nuclear power core inside of a, a cardiac monitor, like guys would develop cancer and, and not end up living for very long. And, you know, again, these are, these are pensions that sometimes aren't even, you know, that they're not even paid out what they've put in throughout the years, let alone this, this imaginary wonderful pension that, that people, um, you know, that people look at, this thing that nobody else gets. Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, just a couple points, you know, it, it's hard for us when you, we, we all know that firefighting or, or, or law enforcement and police work is inherently dangerous. We get it. We, we signed up for it. We know what we got ourselves into, but at the end of the day, since inception, we're not entitled to social security. So it's not like we're cutting the fat hog and getting our pension and social security. We don't get social security. And, and two, right. you know, some of these, elected people that sit around the horseshoe want to say pensions, pensions, pensions. They're also entitled to one, but because theirs was funded appropriately since the 60s, since inception, pensions work well for them. But because elected officials, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul and and flip an IOU in here one year or or pay the lowest amount, um, you know, we're in the situation we're in. But, you know, you also, you've got cancer, you've got cardiovascular disease. The, the post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, we do things, and I'm not patting ourselves on the ass here. You know, we're not all supermen. We all don't get into to phone booths, but we do some extraordinary things. You know, you can go from a working structure fire to being in a river or body of water doing a dive incident or hanging off a rope for a bridge jumper. I mean, we are the catch-all, right. you know, 24-7, 365, and we provide a service with a lot of technical skill that, you know, it's great that everybody sees the TV shows and I'm not knocking people, you know, that you, you see firemen in recliners or firemen taking it easy. You know, there's days where you might go into work and you don't get an hour of sleep. And then that carries over, you, you know, there's, there's weight gain issues, there's cardiovascular issues. And before you know it, you know, you've got some real 
big time health concerns. And you might live five years after you retired. I mean, we had a chief when I first came on that retired and died subsequently 13 months later. Right. Yeah. Same. We had a guy when I first started that he, uh, old, old salty guy that had, you know, was, was well revered in our, in our department. He ended up, uh, he ended up retiring and I don't, I don't even know if he collected his first pension payment, which, you know, again, years and years of, of just, you know, getting hammered in the middle of the night, getting, uh, you know, taking these calls. And, and at that time they were doing the best they could and maybe, maybe weren't given an air pack at that point, or maybe weren't, um, the, it wasn't even a, a, a thing that they did back then. Like, these are these are issues where, like like you said, uh, all these other medical issues on top of what we're finding now with with um, mental mental health. Like these are issues that never you know never presented themselves back then, and now we look back and we're like, oh my god, we can't believe they didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, even look at our turnout gear now. I mean, you know, studies have right. shown the carcinogens that that we have and the chemicals that are actually in the stuff that's supposed to protect us. It's probably killed you know I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands, of brothers and sisters. So. You know, everybody wants to sit back and, and Monday morning quarterback firefighters. Well, I challenge anybody, you know, take the test, get on the job. And, 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 and we deal with realities for one day, go without sleep for, you know, eight hours, six hours, and then take that through a 30 year career at 10 years. And it carries over in your home life. You don't sleep well, you don't sleep well, you run on, you know, a couple of two or three cups of coffee in the morning, you don't eat right. I mean, it, it, it takes a toll and it's something from an outsider looking in that you don't grasp that until you need the fire department. And then when the fire department shows up and kicks ass and does an amazing job, then everybody loves the fire department, but we, yeah, are, we got, we got those people on our team. Yeah. We got those people on our team when that happens. Yeah. We're, we're not the proverbial savings account for bad fiscal decisions made by city elected officials right yeah and going back to the COVID thing you know like it's and and again i'm not speaking from a place of total education but you know when when these major issues happen you know uh historically um the federal government you know like when when terrorism is an issue homeland security sprung up when um you know with this COVID thing this this COVID became a, a major issue throughout our country. And, um, and again, we've got committees, we've got, um, representatives, we've got, um, medical, medical professionals that are all of a sudden on this new, you know, this, this new task force of COVID response and trying to figure things out. But who are the people that are, that are dealing with, who were the first people that ever dealt with COVID? The, the fire department and the paramedics sure. and you know did did we get to open up a new branch of our of our government to uh to support these this higher call volume no um and for you you didn't even get to keep the one that you had yeah no i mean it's 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 mind-boggling to sit back and go the key to our financial misfortune is to eliminate police officers and firefighters it's absolutely asinine to sit back and think that that even becomes a reality or is part of a thought process, unfortunately. Right, right. Especially when the factor that's affecting their income is, you know, is, you know, the fire department's biggest concern. 100%. So, wow. Um, uh, well, care to talk about, um, 
I mean, I guess kind of bringing it back a little bit, care to talk about how, um, I mean, I know you were, you started off as a police officer, care to talk about how you kind of got the bug to get into the, the fire service or public service in general? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of wish at times I would have come from more of a labor background. Um, my grandfather worked for Caterpillar. My other grandfather was a mortician. My father was a successful attorney and then, uh, became state's attorney down here in Peoria County. So I didn't, I didn't really have a labor background, but, oh, wow. but I always knew, yeah. you know, common sense, right from wrong. And one of my dad's, uh, high school classmates and then college roommates, um, was a fireman here in Peoria. He was a captain on one of our ladder trucks. Uh, he, he's kind of what lit the fire and trying to do this, uh, you know, public safety, get back to your community. And obviously my father, you know, before he passed had that same, uh, commitment, dedication, yeah. you know, honor to serve type mentality. He was an army veteran. Um, but literally if it wouldn't have been for my dad's classmates that, Hey, you, you really should take a good look at the fire department because it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, you give back. Um, so, so service or public safety, public safety service has always kind of been around for me, but it wasn't until I stepped into the threshold of law enforcement, even though I really wanted to be a fireman that I knew this is what I want to do. This is my existence. I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer when it came to education. You know, I barely graduated only state university, but I had the intentions of being a, a copper or a fireman and it worked out that way. It really worked out for me, even though I was laid off to get on the fire department. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying it worked out for the Peoria firefighters local too, I would say. Um, yeah. It, it's wild. It's, it's really wild how things kind of like push you uh, push you in one direction and that with, um, with this job. And, and, you know, there's not too many guys that, that make that jump from, you know, police to, or from uh, firemen to police or, or even police to firemen. There's not too many guys that end up jumping over. But from what I hear, um, once you, once you get that bug and you actually sit down and, um, and do a couple of things as, as being a fireman, it's, you know, you don't turn back. It's it's weird. It's it's such a weird fucking job, man. Because like, I feel like we're one of the only professions. I know I said this before, but I feel like we're one of the only professions that, you know, when we get a, a job, when we get a fire at four in the morning or whenever, you know, when we get a fire or, you know, one of these one of these important calls comes in. Like, it's crazy how you know you'll take that that. 50 year old 55 year old guy that's you know maybe maybe not the you know the most active guy in the world and he's jumping up right into the fire engine like there's it's something about us doing our job you know when it comes up that like we're the only ones that like are excited to work when that happens oh no 100 percent. and then i mean with everything we faced over the past four and a half years five years you know morale around the firehouse has been garbage and, and rightfully so i mean we're tired right. of being devalued but when the alarm goes off and that fire comes in, it's amazing how it brings the job together. I mean, there's smiles yeah, on people's All that goes away and those guys are back in. 110%. Because this, this is your bread and butter. This is what you're, I don't want to say this is what we're here for because we do a lot of things. But it is, right. it is until you experience it, until you look at it and you go, man, I don't give a, really give a rat's ass about how bad the day was. We just did something that most people walk away from. And we did it really well. And everybody's back to you know, joking around, having a good time, cracking smiles, cracking jokes. And, and it might be the guy that just walked through the door on his first shift day or the guy that's getting ready to retire and has, you know, three days left on the job. It, it brings everybody together, and it is absolutely amazing to see what happens when, when the job comes in. 
Oh yeah. Any um, care to talk about anything specific with um, with your guys' fight over there in terms of um, I guess important incidents like any sit downs you guys had with the village or any any litigation that's come out of this yet or um, is that still kind of no? Kinda, uh, I mean, can't talk about yet. No, we obviously filed the lawsuit um, and demand a bargain over the reduction of the rescue squads and you know, like I touched on earlier, we used that declaratory judgment settlement um, to keep our guys working and keep one engine in service. But, you know, we're still battling the Public Safety Employee Benefit Act lawsuit where, you know, the city's basically trying to say, you are you shouldn't be eligible for this based on this if you can get gainful employment somewhere else, whether that's, you know, the guy washing windows or the greeter at XYZ box store. You know, they're, they're trying to take right. that away from us. And, you know, we'll fight that fight across the state because that doesn't just affect firemen. That's you know, our brothers and sisters in blue. Um, and it's something yeah. we, we deeply, you know, we're committed to doing because it's the right thing to do. And we're not going to be taken advantage of. We're not going to let our benefits be diminished because some council in downstate Illinois wants to start taking swings um, and devaluing the work we do. So, you know, that, that one's still headed to the appellate courts. Um, obviously, COVID kind of shut that process down. So, you know, we're still going to see that one through, um, even though we gave up our unfair labor practice. But uh, right, wrong, or different, our guys are working. The citizens are safer because of it. Um, and it's a win, you know, mainly for the citizens. It's a little safer for us, even though we lost one engine. Not ideal. Um, but, you know, we, we've got a, a monumental task in front of us to hit the ground running and, and go after these people in the next city council elections for bastardizing and devaluing the work we do. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, I don't know if I'd say, uh, I don't know if I'd say prestigious, but definitely a, 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 a small elite group of locals that have, that have gone to fight just like you guys have. And, and we can all, uh, me personally, I, I want to thank you, you guys for everything you guys are doing and fighting for us and doing what's right. Um, hopefully, hopefully everyone else is is seeing that too and um and can hopefully lend you guys a hand when when needed when you guys need a call what would you say is uh you know what how would you like to talk about the ffi or the iff with with these battles or uh what's their role been with you guys uh obviously the affi has been very supportive um and in trying to get um assistance for us not just you know boots on the ground but um, even financially to some extent on the PSEBA fight. Um, and at the IFF, you know, our district vice president has, has always been in contact, um, since day one. So, uh, the outpouring of support outside of just the two main organizations from other locals, whether it be, you know, Chicago local two, um, or even guys downstate way south, like Metro East guys, um, you know, Hey, oh, yeah. keep your heads up. We're in it. We know you guys are fighting. Keep battling because it's important. It, it's what makes this world go round and if you guys aren't doing it it will only be a a short matter of time before somebody else wants to start swinging at you know the village of xyz so you know i I can't thank you know probably the listeners and uh, you guys across the state on the job that you know have have taken a forward step forward thinking approach to to even reaching out a phone call you know social media hey you know follow us like this share this um, because they, they know that, again, I said this before, one bad election and they're in the same seat we're in. And we, we do the same. I mean, I can remember going to Galesburg, just west of us, when I was brand new, walking for their guys 
um, and picketing City Hall. I mean, that that is the one great thing about this job is, you know, when the fire department, somebody needs help, they call the fire department. When a fire local or union needs help, you you don't even have to really make phone calls because people yeah. we will be look out for each other. And it's they, almost, they call the fire department too. Right, exactly. And, and guys show up because they know like this is what puts money on this is what puts money in our pockets, food on the table, and it gives us you know not an extravagant. This isn't some champagne and caviar job, but you know this affords us the opportunity to make a decent living and have a family, and that's what this is all about: a good job. Period. Right. Right. We're, we're making the best of what we can do either on the job or off. Um, so 11 years on the job, any, uh, any memorable incidents that you've been a part of anything? Uh, I mean, besides the obvious, uh, any, uh, anything crazy you guys have been, uh, that you've been a part of? Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, we, we've gone from our share of, you know, two or three working structure fires and having a, you know, jumping into the river, me personally, while I'm on the, I was at our central house. Um, we respond to our fire boat jumping in after a gal that had been walking across one of the busiest bridges. They shut down the bridge through Peoria, four lanes of traffic, um, jumping in to save her probably has been probably the most memorable, um, thing I've done, but you know, you did that? Yeah. There, there's also, the- what'd you do? Just swan dive <laughs> off the engine? What'd you do? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't, uh, the Olympic dive. Um, especially in one of those Mustang suits that it probably, you know, could have been, but, you know, just being a part of some of the specialty teams, whether it's from the hazmat team or the dive team and, and doing some extraordinary things, um, for the betterment of our community. But there's, there's also the flip side of, you know, the new guys that come through the ranks, um, and some of the firehouse pranks that, that kind of go on as the rite of passage, um, you know, whether it be, Oh, my happy you brought that up, you know, you, the shoe polish on the black phone, uh, throwing oh, people, that's a good one. going to the next engine house and taking their silverware and freezing it. That's been kind of a big deal. <laughs> oh, um, that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. We, we've, we've put pillowcases and pillows up on the roof. Um, and, you know, soda cans underneath beds about midnight one o'clock in the morning the bed collapses uh oh yeah yeah i was just talking about that one the other day that that was one of my go-to moves i used to uh i I used to like release the um release the bed frame at the at the top of it and honestly it was one of one of my favorite ones like it was such a simple silly one but it was one of my favorites because like it would just be in you know whatever you know 10 11 o'clock at night when the new guys like finally shut it down for you know making sure everything's looking good around the place and just that guy laying down in bed and that bed <laughs> that bed giving way and the and it drops like it's honestly i i don't know if it was the sound or the fact that other guys would be laughing in the firehouse i would just get i'd just die i would just start dying it was hilarious um man so what uh what would you say the best one you you've had the best one that I've personally had um, was at one of our busier engine company houses, and there was a truck there. The truck's not there anymore, but uh, one of he, he's probably one of the best jokesters on the job. Um, took IV tubing and ran it across the drop ceiling oh, um, yeah. between the, yeah. the uh, panels and cut a hole out. And they took a uh, weed garden sprayer and pumped it up and ran water through the IV tubing about uh, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Brand new on the job, laying in bed. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, I, I literally, my bed is soaked. I'm 
covered in water. My pillow is ruined. Going, okay. you know, do I get up and tell the captain? Like, is, is there a broken water pipe in the bedroom? Yeah, the, yeah there's there's a plumbing issue. In the- <laughs> exactly, and, and I'm like, no, no, no. But for, you know, for for the life of me, I didn't know what to do. Well, they got me again, um, and, it, and it's got oh, God. everybody. Um, you know, we've also had guys go out on the porch of one of our two story firehouses. The one, incidentally, coincidentally, that was just closed. Um, you know, they'd go make sure you clean off the grill, clean up out there and they'd lock the door behind you and pull an engine around and hit you with the deck gun. Um, <laughs> we actually had one guy Jesus. that picked up the picnic table and used it kind of like a, a body shield. Like to shield himself. Yeah, yeah, but that, that was always a good one. But, you know, there's new guys that walk through the door that that get it and, and do really well with it. And then there's guys that you feel sorry for and you're like, all right, day one, here's what's going to happen. You need to take your wallet out, take your cell phone out. And they're like, well, no, no, no. I'm like, no, trust me. We've ruined enough cell phones. Uh, yeah. You're, <laughs> For your own betterment. You, you won't thank me now, but you will later. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. Oh, God. Oh, I, I, I knew you guys. Uh, I knew you guys had seen a lot down there. Plus, I mean, again, I when we were talking, me and Steve were talking about this, uh, about what you guys are going through. And um, and again, like we, we didn't have a ton of information about Peoria, but after looking into it, like you guys, I mean, speaking about doing more with less, like you guys got a lot going on there. Yeah. And it's, I know that it's, it's definitely not, you know, you're, you're not in Englewood on the West side of the city, but parts of it, I think parts of Peoria sound like they could be, they could be definitely difficult to work in. No, no, absolutely. Um, you know, and I got a real quick, a reality check as a copper but uh you know we run anywhere from and it progressively gets bigger and bigger every year we average about twenty thousand runs and you know we don't have we don't do Christ. transport um we have a third-party non-for-profit company that does all our ambulance transport but we run twenty thousand alarms and our fires actual working structure fires would run about 300 a year so everybody likes to use like it's only four percent of what we do but you take a town of 100,000 plus people, you run 20,000 alarms out of 12 firehouses, and you run consistently the same amount of structure fires. Peoria burns, and unfortunately, you know, we're a really blue-collar, low-income at times. Parts of our, you know, first in district um, have a poverty level that rivals just about anywhere else, probably in the United States. But, you know, we are also a victim of, of some major, major, major gun violence. So... Uh, is Peoria a great town to live in? Absolutely. I wouldn't live anywhere else, but it's a great place to be a fireman because there is no, uh, really no shortage of no, good calls. No, I mean, yeah. we, we've run the wheels off some of our brand new fire engines to the point where, you know, that, that's the next problem. Even though we reduced fire engines and rescue squads and trucks, we're running the wheels off these things. Um, and our fire mechanics right. can't keep up because we're so busy. Our our work hasn't changed regardless of the reductions, and that's what makes it ten times harder. You know, it's that bad game right. of Russian roulette where one of these days we're not. You know, you're either good or you're lucky, and you're usually a combination of both. But one of these days, and I hope it's not anytime soon for you know the people I work with, our brothers and sisters. That you know, right? Things will have to hit a fever pitch. Correct. They, they can't not operate at this level. No. Um, would you uh, would you like to talk to anybody about this union or even the fire department? Like what, um, like some advice for a new guy? Like this new guy's walking in the doors. What kind of advice would you give him? Yeah, probably not the advice that I got of you know sit down, shut up, and 
you know, get through your first year. I, yeah. I think that's the most. Important. Oh, I, I got that one too. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it, it, sit down, shut up. Yeah. You're, we don't care, you know, who your mom and dad are, where you came from, how great you were in college, you know, what you did before. Um, focus on, on getting through your first year. That That is the most important. And, and when somebody's riding you or busting your balls, they're doing it for a reason. Um, and, and, you know, we all make mistakes. I probably have made more mistakes today than some people do in their lifetime. But at the end of the day, um, you know, take everything with a grain of salt and, you know, find those guys, reach out to those guys. You know, if, if you don't want to be the, the outspoken, you know, type A personality, um, to, to kind of find somebody on the fire department in your local that can walk you through not only what it means to be a good fireman, but be a good union guy, because sometimes they don't go hand in hand, but more times than not, if you can attach yourself to somebody, you've got a lifelong friend, you've got a lifelong brother, your families are going to get to know each other and and it, it will cascade. It will take off for years to come, but find that one person that, you know, if you don't know what to do, you can reach out. Maybe they're on a different shift. Maybe you're in the same engine house, you know, find that one person. Yeah, maybe you guys went to the academy together. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Awesome. Well, Ryan, again, I can't thank you enough for, for spending some time with me. I, I know I went a little bit past what you wanted to do, so I'm sorry about that. Oh. Um, do you... Uh, uh, you know, uh, again, for those of you guys out there, um, definitely make sure to visit and and share and save. And uh, I'm not a big social media guy, but uh, I think you guys know what I'm saying. Um, make sure to, to definitely take a look at Peoria Local 50, Fireman's Local 50, and uh, whatever support you guys can, can give to them, I'm sure would be not only appreciative to them, but to the union in general and, and to all of our brothers and sisters out there. Cause again, this is, I think a lot of people need a lot of firemen, paramedics and police officers need to understand that this is not just a battle that Peoria has, you know, and, and every time, every time these guys are, are out there fighting for what, what we think they deserve. If, if they lose that battle, it could, it could trickle down to all of us and, and not even just for self-preservation, but for, for what's right and wrong. Who do you guys work with for, um, uh, for charity? You said you guys, again, when you had a little bit, when you had a little bit more, um, more money to work with, uh, who were you guys working with? Yeah. Our two biggest ones that we support just because of their involvement in the community and, and kind of, you know, I'm not, beating the war drum for the, the less fortunate, but we, we seem to not only in our job um, encounter more bad situations, you know, whether it's the family that lost everything in a house fire, but our two big ones have been the boys and girls club and neighborhood house that we've been instrumental in trying to, you know, help them when we can, whether it's monetary donations or helping to cook out or providing just manpower, you know, during their holiday season to put food baskets together, et cetera. So, uh, those, those have been our two big ones. Yeah, that um, from what I saw with that that neighborhood house thing, it that's incredible, and um, all the dedication that you guys have been putting in with that. Um, I mean, again, you've you've got some big big stuff you're dealing with over there, but to still to still end up helping out as much as you guys have with them is is incredible. Awesome. Well, again, Ryan, thank you so much for for sitting down and talking with me over the phone for a little bit. Yeah. Any closing uh, closing remarks you think you want to get out there? You know, the opportunity in and of itself, um, just to have another 
uh, platform for outreach. It's been great. So I can't thank you and, and Steve enough for the opportunity. But, you know, I, you hit the nail on the head. Um, it, it might be Peoria or has been Peoria for the past three or four years. But, uh, you know, don't necessarily take these small uh, battles necessarily with a grain of salt because overnight they can morph into something. And, and you know, really my message to our guys has been, yeah, this, this, this effing sucks. I get it. Um, nobody wants to go through this BS, but really look out at, for one another because that, that's why we're all here. Um, and you know, you're only as strong as, as your weakest link. So, you know, do, do your best to look after one another and, and make sure everybody goes home safe because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. Man, you got to take me out of a job. You sound a lot better on this thing than I ever do. Um, well, again, Ryan, thank you so much, buddy. Um, I did find it. It's uh, www.nhpeoria.org is the um, neighborhood house for Peoria, which they're doing some incredible things. So definitely, um, definitely take a look at that and definitely go out and support our local 50 Peoria firefighters, because um, you know I we've we've beaten this to a to a pulp, but um, very important all the work those guys are doing and um, and just getting that story out. Um, Chris is I, I can't believe we I was able to get him on the phone because um, you've been on the radio, you've been on uh, been in the newspaper. There's you guys got a lot going on there, and um, and the more the story gets shared, the more more people can uh can see what's going on and and make that decision for themselves on what's going on so again chris thank you um thank you very much for listening to us here on chicago's bravest stories steve's gonna yell at me but make sure you check out the website um for merchandise and um t-shirts and coffee mugs and all all that stuff and um uh, please make sure to share subscribe um all that stuff on facebook and instagram and um, again, thanks for joining us today, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, Ryan. Yep. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Bye-bye. The opinions and views are that of Chicago's Bravest Stories podcast and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations. 